Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online. The game starts here. Are you looking for a higher potential return on your savings? Turn to our sponsor, Save. As an SEC-registered investment advisor, Save safely combines the best parts of saving and investing with its Market Savings program. Market Savings is a savings product that provides you with market returns instead of interest. The returns come from diversified investment portfolios based on your individual investment profile. The return from the investments is paid to you at the end of the selected investment term. But investing comes with risk, right? Well, with SAVE, your deposit is FDIC insured and never used for any investments. The current variable APYs are 9.07% for the one-year product and 7.9% for the five-year product. So what does this cost you? Well, SAVE only charges a fee when your investments make you money. To learn more or to sign up, visit www.joinsave.com slash state. That's joinsave.com slash state. The link to the website is in the description of this podcast. State of State invites you to join Save. Some roster updates in regard to Penn State football here in February. It's cold and we are dying for something to talk about with this team as spring ball is right around the corner very recently. Some position changes for Penn State football, one notably for Abdul Carter. We're going to get to that here in just a moment. And also some recent comments from starting quarterback Drew Aller in regard to how things are going with the early installation of the offense under new offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki, affectionately known as uh, Coach K now, Justin. So that's super Coach simple. Okay. Andy, Coach K, you just shrink up Kotelnicki so you don't have to struggle with Coach it. Coach K, I like Coach K. That's smooth. <laughs> um, like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications, and rate us. It really helps the show. And again, follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at State of State Pod. Justin, uh, you know, we put out our shows every Wednesday, so we're a little late to this news cycle, but something that definitely sparked some interest last week was some roster changes, Penn State updating the roster altogether in terms of heights, weights, positions. Abdul Carter has been moved from linebacker to defensive end officially, according to the Penn State depth chart. When you saw this news come out, what was your first reaction? Uh... I was surprised to be completely honest because we haven't seen him in too many packages coming off the edge like that. But I, I, I like the move, right? We just, I mean, we're in the 11. I don't want to compare him too much to Micah, but like Micah moving to DN in the NFL, we always thought that that was his natural position. We have a freak athlete like Abdul with his size, his speed and ability. 
it may be better suited for the whole team for him to just be a dynamic pass rusher that just lends into um, the rest of the defense where you have Tom Allen having some flexibility and the calls that he can have where you can rush for and you can get pressure when Abdul's one of the defense ends and you got DDS coming up uh, on the other side. So I think it's a good move um, with those guys playing a lot more in space. I think it's probably fits more to his skill set. I was saying last year he missed a few open field tackles, just uh, a little out of ways in those in those instances. So with this, he can kind of have his prime traits highlighted and pin his ears back, go after the quarterback, make splash plays, and really cause havoc. And I think he's built to do it. So I like the move. There's a couple wrinkles to this in that Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac are off to the NFL. So it did leave a question of who's going to be that other defensive end. The assumption was going to be deny Dennis Sutton was going to take one of the spots. And then it was going to be, okay, maybe a mean Vanover, uh, Jameel Lyons, Zariah Fisher, uh, some up-and-coming freshmen potentially. It was just a big question mark. It feels a little bit like addition by subtraction and that you're adding to the defensive end room. You're making sure you have those bookend DNs in Micah, uh, Micah in Abdul Carter and deny Dennis Sutton. But then it does leave a question at linebacker in that, okay, you know you have Kobe King there, and it leaves some competition amongst the likes of Tony Rojas, Dom DeLuca, Keon Wiley, KV on Keys. There's some depth there that could be interesting. Tyler Elsden, throw his name out there as well. Mm-hmm. For me, I look at this now with the linebackers, and I'm like, this is a prime opportunity for Tony Rojas to jump in and really establish himself because I remember a podcast you and I did uh, within the last few weeks or months where you're like, your expectation is the next guy to wear the sticks could be Tony Rojas. What do you think about Rojas maybe being in there more linebacker? Yeah, I think that's also a nod to his development for them to move a linebacker to the front four means that they feel comfortable about an upcoming linebacker and somebody that can run around in space or whatever that new defense is going to be asking um, that second level defender to do. And I think Sonny Rojas is you know, a long defender. I mean, he looks like he's put on weight fast. He made plays throughout the season. Um, and I like his development. And it's just, he was somebody that the staff was high on when he came out of high school, somebody that picked up a lot of the defense and has the natural athletic gifts to be a special linebacker. And I mean, when that 11, I think we see Abdul going to D end because of the development of Tony Rojas. In your opinion, this is more of a macro question. The the position of linebacker in the sport feels like it's just been devalued as years have gone on. I, I look at a lot of teams in the National Football League where there, there are great linebackers out there, middle linebackers, outside linebackers. But clearly the emphasis is who can rush the passer, and you're going to take advantage of that no matter what. Do you see this as kind of uh, something in that vein, or they feel more confident about, hey, these guys? And then also the question I have is, is this going to be a base defense similar to what we've seen in, in years past under Manny Diaz and Brent Pry, where it was maybe four two five? Or are we going to see more of a traditional four three four? I don't think the linebacker has been devalued. I just think the performance metrics of the position have changed, right? So we're looking for a different type of guys that play linebacker that can run around. It's actually more of a unique position. Guys that can play to run and pass. Uh, the old school linebackers that are two down guys that are just hit you in the mouth. Those guys are becoming extinct because of the spread offenses and that the way we're playing in space more. 
um, of the evolution um, on the offensive side of the game and the higher point totals. But with that being said, linebackers like the key position to keep the evolution of these offenses intact. When you have uh, dynamic linebackers that can run with running backs in space or run with slot positions, that gives you an ability to have a special defense. And we've seen that in the NFL. I think there was a different stats. I can't pull them up right now, but like the linebackers on those two different teams were the highest paid, some of the highest paid players outside of the quarterbacks in the playoffs. And you just see like at the elite level, those positions are extremely valuable. So like when you see Penn State's defensive or tradition on defense and it being linebacker you, those things go hand in hand. Like sometimes the defensive line has been down, sometimes the secondary has been down, but that linebacker staple keeps a defense solid. So with that being said, I think we'll see more of a 4-3 approach from Tom Allen moving forward. Um, but, I mean, time will tell, and it's, we'll see what happens in, in spring ball. But, again, I, I like the moves from – Abdul moving down to DN. I, I think there's a lot of depth at linebacker, and we'll see what comes out from these freshmen that are coming into the into the uh, offseason. How do you feel about the D line overall now, with a theoretical starting four of Denai Dennis Sutton, Hakeem Beeman, Devon Elise, and now Abdul Carter? I like that front four. I mean, I think you can you don't have any question marks across the board. I think everybody's solid to solid plus. And, and now it just becomes producing and being able to execute Tom Allen's different blitzes and defensive uh, fronts, stunts, and different things of that nature to be able to execute, right? I think getting pressure with four down linemen this year will be big. So if they can continue to have pressure and not blitz would be I mean, a, a strong advantage for this defensive uh, backfield. I, I find it interesting because there's always a level of gamesmanship when it comes to James Franklin and just everything he does that can be perceived publicly, something that mm -hmm. the media might pick up on or even something that's going to be put on broadcast television once we get to the blue-white game is that, yeah, if you start rotating in Abdul Carter consistently at defensive end, somebody's going to notice next month. Somebody's going to notice in April. They're going to ask a question, and he's not going to lie about it necessarily because it's like, yeah, it's right there on tape. The guy's playing DN. Theoretically, you could have left his tag at linebacker and then maybe messed with some people come September. But honestly, it just seems like, hey, the cat was going to be out of the bag eventually. Uh, but it is kind of that situation with Abdul where uh, is he going to traditionally be – a hand in the dirt type defensive end is he going to kind of be you know we said Micah Parsons name a couple of times here accidentally on my part but like is he going to be more of a stand-up kind of what you perceive in a three four outside linebacker stance where he's trying to rush straight at the guy or is he you know three technique hand in the dirt there seems like there's a lot of options here and then it doesn't necessarily take him out of the realm of dropping into linebacker I, I think almost in a, a way that this program envisioned what Brandon Smith could have done, but I think what Abdul is as an athlete is beyond what Brandon was. I think that would be comparing apples to oranges there. I mean, yeah, I mean, Brandon was a pretty special athlete, just athlete in general, probably more impressive measurables than um, than Abdul. But with that being said, I think Abdul can do all three, put his hand in the dirt, stand up from a two-point, and draw back. So when you think of that, I can't even say position flexibility, but defensive scheme flexibility at that defensive end position i think is is it's crazy right we think of like guys like like a tj watt like he's an outside linebacker and he causes havoc in different areas and different ways when you talk about those zone blitzes so he becomes 
a more unique chess piece at the defensive end outside linebacker position. So I'm sure they're going to have some ooky packages where they go to like a three, four, where he's standing up, rotating different guys in, depending on what the offensive package is. You got Oregon, UCLA, USC, these teams, these teams coming in with more of that spread approach. And it's just going to be a nice balance when we play Michigan, Ohio state, and we have to play in space and, Hunker down and take on the double teams and stuff to run at the same time, right? Because we can't be getting gashed. It's still the Big Ten. But all that being said, I mean, football comes down to attitude and and tackling people. So hopefully these are the guys that do it. <laughs> I agree with that. So Abdul Carter moves from linebacker to defensive end. Then Tyrese Mills moves from safety to linebacker. Not a name that we've mentioned too much. It hasn't been utilized a ton. Um, that's a small change, but what do you think about Tyrese Mills for those that might not be terribly familiar with him? Honestly, I'm not 100% familiar with him to the standpoint of him moving up positions and going from safety to linebacker, but it's more points to the, the point I was making earlier in the standpoint of having more of a safety body to play in that linebacker position to be able to move around in space. And I think that would go into the philosophical approach from Tom Allen and having Abdul, a bigger body, 6'3", 250 plus, moving down to a defensive end and having those linebackers that are 6'2", 6'3", 230 pounds that can run around, cover receivers and do the different things like a, like a Tony Rojas, like a Kobe King, even just that smaller dynamic blitz package from that linebacker standpoint. So that's what I think we're seeing when we move a safety down to a linebacker, even some corners going back to safeties, right? So just those that position flexibility across the board is extremely vital for a successful defense. Safety position was kind of all over the place in regard to these position changes. Makai Flowers has moved from safety to wide receiver, and then Lamont Payne has moved from corner to safety, so still staying within the defensive back room, lockdown you. But it, it speaks more so to the depth at safety because you have freaking Jalen Reed, Zaki Wheatley, Kevin Winston Jr., and King Mack, who many people are really expecting to step up at some point here in the near future. But again, like he's down there on that depth chart, not because of lack of ability, but because you have three very talented guys and help KJ Winston put together an excellent first campaign. So it, I think it speaks to what Penn State has on the top end of their safety room and trying to bolster some other positions. Flowers is a different one in that he's gotten some experience in, in regard to defensive back, but moving to the opposite side of the ball, uh, something that you can speak to, that that's a challenge. Yeah, it is. Um, I kind of I did both sides of the ball and then went to the straight, right, went all the way to defense. So going – from defense to offense is a little different, right? You're always, it's, you're running routes, it's different stopping points. But I mean, to be that type of athlete that can do that and have that position flexibility coming to high school, I'd like to tell guys that are going through the recruiting process, like I don't like de defensive backs that don't play receiver in high school. Like you have to have that type of athletic ability. Cause I mean, you get, you get some guys that come up in high school now and they want to be defensive specialists, right? Like you see guys that are locked down corners, like hey, I want to be like that. And I'm like, Hey, they weren't locked down corners in high school. Like they were, crazy athletes that became lockdown corners like that's what we want to be and so when you have that i mean athletes on the field that can do that i mean it's just my advice to him would just be be an athlete and then learn the position as you go because what happens sometimes with players is like they want to be super technical about running routes thinking a little bit too much and then it slows you down and takes your athleticism away so like you know remind yourself that you know what to do with the ball when you get it get jiggy with it and go from there and Lamont Payne, another recruit that I dealt with coming out of high school, 
it's funny that we always expected him to kind of move the safety because he's a he's just a bigger a bigger guy, right? Just competitive and physical and just traits fit at that safety position. So things seem to be seem to be progressing the way that you envision them from some of these guys. Lamont's listed at six foot one eighty five, and it's amazing. Like Kevin Winston Jr. six two two oh six. Zaki is six two one ninety six. Jalen's six foot two ten. Those are some big safeties in the grand scheme of things. It's not. Big it's not like a Cam down. Chancellor rolling out there at like freaking two thirty and taking people's heads off. But like those are right. big safeties for the college level. Like yeah, I mean today's game, Cam Chancellor would probably be a, a linebacker. Like he yeah. essentially played like a linebacker back then, but. He would be like that will outside linebacker that just causes havoc. I mean, he did play that position back then a little bit, but that's where the game is going, man. You got to cover and hit hit guys. So we mentioned it before. Uh, starting quarterback Drew Auer had a chance to talk with the media within the last handful of days and covered a myriad of topics. The first thing that he was asked about was the new wide receiver, Julian Fleming, who everybody is curious about. Uh, Drew Hours said about Fleming, quote, he has a willingness to learn and he's been open minded. When you're that talented and you have that much experience, it can be easy to shut things off and just go with your normal routine. I think he's done a great job being open minded, asking a ton of questions of me, the team, Coach Andy Kotelnicki. He's helping to bring along the young guys, too. Uh, that sounds like, you know, everything that you would want from somebody walking in the building and Yes, there's the understanding this guy was a five-star once upon a time. He was a part of the stellar wide receiver room at Ohio State, and he's getting this chance to potentially be the guy to compete for that spot to be the number one wide receiver, and the external expectations are certainly that. But when you hear that from Aller up front, uh, what's your thought process? I mean, I think that's a, that's a positive review, right? It shows the character of the athlete, the character of the player. I've heard that from a lot of players on the team as well that he has a very professional approach that he's acts like he's been there before he's showing the guys the way so i mean that type of leadership in the locker room from a pa guy is i mean extremely critical to forming uh, a cohesive unit going into the fall i'm very excited to see what he does once we get into spring ball the blue white game will be a little bit of a glimmer of what he's capable of um, aller was also asked about working with a uh, new offensive coordinator andy kotelnicki uh, Drew said, quote, it's been really productive. The offensive staff has been meeting a lot to go through what we're going to call stuff, basically like what we're going to name stuff within the offensive playbook. Is That's how he was phrasing that. Uh, he went on to say, quote, what we're going to keep from last year, what we're going to change up. Uh, Andy Kotelnicki has been great asking all the quarterbacks opinions on everything, quizzing us. I love being around Coach K. He brings a great energy to our offensive unit. He allows us to play to our strengths and play with freedom, but he also allows us to play fast. He wants to eliminate variables for us. For me, it's a lot more learning on the front end, but allows us to do a lot more at the end of the day. When you hear things like that, eliminating variables, uh, not to put you know the, the target on Mike Yursich, but that was the only other offensive coordinator that uh, Drew Allers experienced at Penn State. So do you think that's what, – what do you think when you hear that? Because I'm not quite sure how to interpret that. Yeah, when I hear eliminating variables, yeah, I mean it means the goal is to try to get the players to play fast, understand the scheme, and go fast. But are not thinking throughout the play, right? Where there's variables, whether you're having to convert a route, things changing based on a coverage alignment or anything like that. Where it's like, hey, this is how we're attacking it. If this is here, let's change it to this, and this is what we're doing, and we're going to live and die by it. 
and then having more of the emphasis on going fast and playing confident and not thinking versus, you know, you have to beat a you have to beat the a person across the ball from you, right? There's always one open person, so you have to make them miss. So sometimes you get into the coaches coaches' philosophies where like they want to make sure everything's right. Hey, if they're this coverage, we want this route concept. If and this, we gotta do this. And then you get players that play on their heels a little bit, right? When they're thinking, doing that stuff. Sounds like he wants to just go all gas and make sure that the players are very clear about what's happening and eliminating the variables that make players second guess or, you know, slow footed a little bit. State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out their Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. I thought that was an interesting description because in the same conversation with the media, uh, Drew Auer was asked specifically about the formations that they're going to use. And you and I talked about it last week is that James Franklin wants to use similar formations and the similar personnel that he recruits under Andy Kotelnicki's system, but at least get more explosive plays. Uh, Drew responded by saying, quote, I'm a football junkie watching the Super Bowl offenses and those quarterbacks, those systems allow the players to play so free. Just how hard you can make it on the defense with shifts, motions. I think Coach K is going to do that. He went on to elaborate that um, uh, GA and uh, basically the de facto quarterbacks coach, Danny O'Brien, and a bunch of the analysts have cut up tape on 10 to 12 NFL teams. I'll just go through and watch all those cut ups. Stuff we'll have in our offense this year. Everything in the NFL is pretty similar but it's fun to see minor differences. I think there's comparisons between the Kyle Shanahan systems and what Coach K does. Coach K was an offensive lineman, so when he got into coaching, he started working with offensive linemen and tight ends. The key to being an explosive offense is to be in balance. You have to be able to throw the ball when you want to, run the ball when you want to. Coach K's past has shown that. That's a testament to how detailed he is, but also how slowly we're taking everything, something I really like personally. There's a lot to unpack there, Justin, and it kind of makes me think about what we were just discussing in terms of eliminating variables. And when I think about Kyle Shanahan offenses, Sean McVay offenses, there's a fair amount of variables to those things. You ever hear Puka Nakua, the wide receiver for the LA Rams, talk about how they structure certain things? And if you see this, you're bending this way and you're, you're running a route this way. If you see this type of coverage, here's your change of direction there. And everybody has to be on the same, seat, same sheet of music. So I don't know if those are contradictory points coming out of Drew necessarily, but how did you hear that? Well, I think it's interesting that you say that because when you think of offense philosophies, I think when uh, a philosophy and a structure are clear, you have rules, right? And so sometimes you bake a lot of thing things into the rules. So you just learn five, six basic rules and concepts that we're trying to approach. And then that just goes across the whole playbook. So, yeah, you might have 500 different plays, but our rules and and, uh, and different things are the same. That was like the key thing about playing the Shanahan's back in the day is they would run the same plays. They would just get to them in different ways based on what we got. So like the the motions and shifts and even when Puka was going through his, his breakdowns, those are probably rules that were within their offense, but like that puts the defense on their heels mm -hmm. to an extent, like the motions and all these different things. Like because to them, 
that's what they do. Hey, we got zip motion. Hey, we got man. So man, now this is our play. And it's like, they're just going down their script of what they're doing. You're just taking in more information by the movement of the offense, being able to not let the defense get a beat on them from that standpoint. But like what makes them so effective is that when they say hut, they're going 110 miles per hour. They're not necessarily thinking about reacting to the defense. Like they have you from the advantage from the beginning with the shifts and motions. Right. So, I think that is a little bit of nuance in the difference of eliminating variables for us and what we need to do from an execution standpoint, but not necessarily presenting variables to the defense. Yeah, and that was something that Drew talked about was playing, and I know it sounds kind of normal. I don't (laughs) know. You would assume that it's like playing offense offensively. It's like, okay, it's a redundancy, but you're playing in a manner in which you are on the attack as opposed to sitting back and reading. And it it kind of felt that's what was the 2023 season for Drew Hour. And he went on to say, he was like, a lot of last year for me was learning. And now it's taking some of the things from last year. A lot of things in his words are going to carry over. And it's basically taking, like I was just saying, the formations and the personnel that Penn State likes and marrying it with what Andy Kotelnicki's playbook has been historically at Kansas, Buffalo, his other stops. So I am very anxious to see what Drew Hour does because last year did feel conservative. It felt like a lot of Drew Hour thinking and not just reacting. And if this does loosen him up and allow him to play faster, I think that's very, very exciting for this offense. It's just a matter of, okay, like, like we got to see it in action. That's what it comes down to, execution at the end of the day. You got a win-loss total at the end of the year and just got to make sure you win the games that we need to win and the ones that are up in the air. Do you agree with the point about um, the key to being an explosive offense is to be in balance? You have to be able to throw the ball when you want to and run the ball when you want to. In theory, sure. Yeah, you have to have, you have, to have an effective running game. And you have to be able to be explosive. I think being explosive or having explosive potential is more important than being balanced because I think explosiveness is a byproduct of executing a balanced offense. Does yeah, if that does that make sense? It makes sense. I, I guess my thought was there are explosive offenses that, you know, it's not too often you see an offense that can run the ball really, really well and throw the ball really, really well. Often it tends to tip in one direction or the other, but you do see games where great offenses and explosive offenses go off in one phase of the game or the other. It can be a game where it's like, man, they got 300 yards on the ground, man, they got 300 yards through the air and it wasn't so much on the ground. And it's okay. You're you're not always going to have balance in that respect. When you come to offensive plays, it's more uh, explosive plays. It's more identifying where you can be successful against this specific team and this defense and this personnel, as opposed to we have to be balanced every single game. I would I would definitely agree with that. There's a different approach to every opponent. And I would say look better. It's like check the credit report of like the prolific offenses in college football. Most of them have been balanced. Like very few are just I don't think any are just pass heavy. Even when you think back to like the LSU team with uh, Jamar Chase and all those guys and all those receivers, mm-hmm. but they had um, 
what's his, the guy for the Chiefs? Uh, the, the, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. But like they would like the run game was a very important piece of their of their game when Chip Kelly had the prolific offenses in Oregon. Like they were running the football, even though they had Marcus Mariota that they had the ability to pass and run, right? I mean, back in Stanford's days, they were a two tight end, eleven personnel, I mean twenty-one personnel type of team. And they had Andrew Luck, who had the ability to pass with the tight ends. And so, like, you can pass with tight ends and run the football. Like, there's different ways of getting there. But an overall philosophy, uh, philosophy of that or a theoretical approach to football, yeah, sure, a balanced approach is necessary. But the goal is to be explosive. Well, and here's the thing, Justin, about Andy is historically he's been a guy who has had very good run games. It, it, there is a what was the description that he used when he was first introduced uh, to, as the offensive coordinator? He's like, it's a, like a, a Dairy Queen milkshake, a Blizzard milkshake. It looks really complicated, but on the inside, it's still just vanilla ice cream. And it's very simple. It's like, yeah, well, you want to run the football and be effective in space. And everything else is a lot of motion and stuff around it. So I, I hope that Penn State fans aren't expecting to see video game numbers from the passing game. If anything, I'm like, I, I kind of have more expectation to see the running game go off because you know the proven commodities are there with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. That that's where my brain goes first. Uh, but again, th this could open up just a ton more opportunities for Drew Hour, and hopefully the wide receivers get in on this dance. That would be great. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because I remember I used to work for the Cleveland Browns. I did like scouting and analytical charting, so I used to watch a lot of the offenses and like charting what was going on. And it was always I always look back to it was the age of the RPO was just coming out. Johnny Manziel was hot, mm. right? So spread offenses. But when it got down to the nitty gritty of the top teams, Ohio State, Alabama, um, who was like hot Clemson back then. And because I was charting run pass and like how they were doing, I'm like, man, these teams run the ball a lot more than I thought. And then you start realizing the elite teams, they were probably like 65, 35 run pass. You know what I mean? Just across the board. And it was just started. That's what made me go back to that Oregon. Like they mm -hmm. ran the ball a lot in explosive run plays. I mean, again, the, the outcome or the aesthetic of the game where you say like that offense is good is explosive plays. How mm. they get those explosive plays, who cares? I mean, flash is flash. You know what I mean? Because we see we we seen it like the, the Chiefs, like Patrick Mahomes, they have wants to attack offense, right? Like they don't have a big time receiver. They have arguably the best tight end in the history of the NFL, but to be able to make that work is still a run pass. Um, opportunity just to be able to execute at will is the goal, right? One thing, uh, talking about the wide receivers, Drew Allard was talked about. Um, I, I think he was asked, I couldn't quite make it out listening to the interview, is whether or not he was living with uh, Julian Fleming, which becomes commonplace for a lot of uh, players. And I, I think he was saying that Julian's living off campus and he's living on campus. But uh, one thing that Drew did talk about was building more of a connection with his wide receivers away from football. Uh, his quote was, I wouldn't say that's been lacking. Last year was a big year for me, as I mentioned before, a uh, big year for me to learn. I learned last year what I want and don't want uh, to do going into this year. It's been a total buy-in from the offensive unit this year. I don't know if I ever looked at anything last season and felt like he had a disconnect from his wide receivers. Like we, You and I have talked about is that since he stepped on campus, him and Omari Evans have seemed in lockstep on and off the field and very tight, but 
never it never really seemed like there was a, a big disconnect with him and the wide receivers. No, but you probably want to have just a closer relationship when you kind of, you know, I don't know, when you have some Dante Cephas, on the field. Yes, that, that would be the only one where I'd be like, but that became obvious after a while. I mean, sure, but I, I mean, I think you want to be tight with your receivers as a quarterback, but I, and I don't think I saw any distance last year besides sometimes lack of execution or maybe play calling. Yeah. Um, the last thing that Drew Hour mentioned was talking about uh, Tyler Warren, who had the potential to go pro, but is staying for another year. And with um, Theo Johnson off to the National Football League, there's just a great opportunity for Tyler Warren to be the star of that tight end room, which you think about it, it's like you went from Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, and Tyler Warren. Now it's Tyler Warren. But that's not to say that there isn't tremendous ability behind him. Khalil Dinkins, Andrew Rappelier, Joey Schlaffer, the list goes on and on. Seriously, there's some ridiculous talent in that tight end room, the aces. Uh, Drew Auer said, quote, Tyler Warren is a great teammate, a mentor for guys on the offense. He's a real pro. He doesn't talk much, but he has toughness, nothing but respect for him. He's going to have a big year for us this year. In your opinion, from what you're hearing, who's the leader on us, this offense? I mean, I can't say from what I'm hearing. I haven't heard anybody that's necessarily a leader. But um, from what I'm hearing, who do you guys? I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily know, to be completely honest, like who the actual leader is. And maybe that's time will tell. I mean, I mean, I mean, we'll see. But I don't necessarily know there is any word of who's who. But I know there's different grumblings of, you know, the guys like Bo. Right. Like, I guess his attitude and different things of that nature. And I mean, obviously, you have the heartbeat of the offense right now and being around the running backs and them having confidence in their production. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, the time will tell. Let's put it that way. Just looking forward to spring ball. It's, I, I think it's always an interesting discussion because that conversation was prevalent coming into the last year. And people can say what they want about Sean Clifford, but it was very clear he was the leader on the offense there, especially in his later years at Penn State, all 17 of them. But those last few seasons, it was clearly Sean Clifford leading the offense. And then when he went to the National Football League this past year, James Franklin talked about it a bunch of times, was that he was like, I don't expect it to be one clear guy on either side of the ball, that that's the leader of the offense, that's the leader of the defense. He kind of expected it to be by committee. And you saw people like Olu Fashionu lead by example. And it sounds like Tyler Warren is a guy that can lead by example. Theo Johnson, we know, was very outspoken, especially the back half of last season when there was some adversity that this team faced. But to hear that that similar question is looming now going into another season, I don't know if it's overly concerning. I'm not losing any you know, sleep over it at this point. Again, it's February. Spring ball starts in a month. You got to see how things play out. There's plenty of time for guys to step up in that respect. But it's like, man, there, there's, there needs to be that person almost. 100%. I think the team needs to operate from within. And I mean, if there's not a clear leader, one better develop or evolve or, or show their head because – I don't think you can have a, a playoff type of team without a clear leader on both sides of the football. Yeah. Well, considering the uh, the shifting landscape within the Big Ten with the coaches and uh, certainly a lot of player movement this offseason, offseason being a relative term, it's 
you really are going to have to put up or shut up in 2024. And, and shout out to Kenny Sanders and the kennel. They have done a phenomenal job of recruiting, Justin. They continue to fire off, it looks like, in regards to the class of 2025. So we're, we're a ways from realizing what that all could be, but they continue to do very, very well in that department and hopefully build for the future. But you know, just looking ahead to 2024, like the, every day that goes by, it doesn't make me necessarily nervous about Penn State. I, I certainly feel positive about where things are right now. Again, we're just in workouts. We're just chilling. But 2024 is going to be a dogfight. I know you've said it, Slaughterhouse, before in, in 2024. But with so much change within the Penn State football program, three new coordinators, that there's just so much that needs to be figured out. And it feels just so different than last offseason where everybody and their brother was like, we're going to win the Big Ten. We're going to go to the playoff. We're going to win the national title. It's like, it feels like a big question mark, but I don't sit here and I don't have that sinking feeling in my stomach. You know what I mean? No, I mean, I think it's exciting times. Even like when you said that, even being in Pittsburgh, you mentioned the recruiting W's. Shout out to my pops, Coach Smith, on that because you think of the Whippeal guys or all the state, the top guys in the state next year in that class. I mean, I think the top six are signed to Penn State. So, I mean, from the talent acquisition point, they got to come in and come off a 10-win season. So I'm just trying to balance out some of the, the angst of moving forward because I think it is promising if all these pieces fall into place the right way with the new coordinators, one with the head coach experience, one up-and-coming offensive coordinator that like his philosophy plays to the strength of our personnel and his whole thing is changing his approach to based on the personnel. I think the outlook is still to be uh, favorable, but like you said, time will tell because the margin of error is getting slimmer and slimmer every day we go by. Amen to that. Uh, again, like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications, and rate us. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at State of State Pod. Let us know what you're excited about. How are you guys feeling about some of those comments from Drew Rowler? How are you feeling about Abdul Carter moving to defensive end? Uh, we certainly want to hear from you guys. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, let us know what you think of the show on social media and check out all of our content on X, Instagram, and TikTok. Search for the handle at State of State Pod. State of State is presented by Bet Online and by Blue White Outfitters. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.